Well, welcome back, everybody. Um, boys, it's it's been what's up, fellas? A while, I feel like you know. Happy fall. No kidding, fall. It's almost over. It feels like very cold this morning, but uh, well, another... I remember vividly. It was right before the Tommy Keenan Tri-State, so it has been a while. Yes, it has been, which was what uh, just about a month ago. I think we right. were just on the verge of gearing up for both of those events, and obviously. We want to get the full TK recap from, from you guys, but um, not necessarily a lot going on in the world of golf right now for obvious reasons. But I think we are all probably really happy for that that upstart, plucky underdog, um, just a genuinely good guy, Brooks Kepka, on, you know, getting another win um, under his belt. It's just the, really the feel-good story. Of Diving right into live. All right, here we go. We might as well get it out of the way. I mean, good God. So help me understand. Here's a guy who doesn't like playing in small events. It was really it was just almost like a nuisance to him. He only liked, quote unquote, the big events. He leaves for a tour that only has small events. He finally wins and he gets teary and emotional. That one surprised me. It's an incredible Hollywood script right there. To pull, to pull it on command, the tears on command, right? When they're, not, when they're not genuine, I mean, come on. The only thing that makes me think, you know, it, I think this is my interpretation. I think it was a peek into the reality of that he was, he's probably more injured than I or we ever thought. I heard him say something about a knee replacement is inevitable. So my instinct says, that's one of the main reasons he went to live was because he didn't know if he's had a golfing future. I don't know. Does that make any sense? You tell me. I mean, I think it's a fair point. I think it's, it is a little bit. <laughs> he said begrudgingly. <laughs> I mean, the guy's just, you know, it, it, I was thinking about this before we started the show. I was actually team Brooks in the whole Brooks Bryson thing. And you want to talk about feeling like you need to take a shower because I was advocating for Brooks. They're buddies now, Matt. Oh, Maddie, they're Almighty. buddies. I do think that's a fair point, though, that, you know, the injury thing and and who knows if he was completely healthy, maybe he never would have made this move considering what a good player he was and how popular he has been on the PGA Tour. Um, but I guess trying not to be cynical, there is something to be said for that, that he has really fought some things behind the scenes that we don't know about, or at least that Jen is not telling us on Instagram. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It is it hit his whole show is just like there's some there's some Hollywood flair to it. You know what I mean? With his game, with his marriage, with his social life, so to speak, right? It's it's a show. Yeah, it's yeah, and, and I didn't see that coming with him. I, I don't took him for the opposite of remember I don't care and you know he doesn't have emotion and well, it was, it was all business, especially at the majors. You know, he seemed like a machine there for a while, like he was never going to lose one. And he didn't, he didn't worry about any, any of the outside stuff. And now it seems to have engrossed him. It's like all he's worried about is the public persona and the social media aspect of it and the celebrity. And, I, you know, who knows? That's where, that's where the money is. She's probably making a couple million dollars every time she posts something on Instagram. So that's... That's the world we live in, I guess. Well, the knee replacement comment threw me for a loop, I guess, is why I sort of yeah. came to that conclusion. Because that's, I mean, that's real stuff, right? I don't know. Does there, I only assume there's no pro golfers knee replacement that I know of anyway. But so 
anyway, I thought that was interesting. That, of all the things other than the tears, that sort of stood out to me. Yeah. I, here's a funny little side twist. So Michelob Ultra has like six professional athletes that are that they sponsor on a, on a global scale or U.S. scale. So Serena Williams, Peyton Manning, Jimmy Butler, Alex Morgan, Christian Halusik. I'm not sure if I'm even pronouncing that right. And Brooks Kepka, right? So all of their graphics and imagery are done for the for the year, right? Sure. This is this is a pre-live commitment, and you know he may he makes he makes the move, goes to live, and the message comes out. Kepka is no longer ultra sponsored. Pull all pull all the point of sale. Really, we're at, we're at a meeting in Connecticut recently, and there's still Kepka on the point of on the point of sale because they don't have any new point of sale yet. He's on everything with all five other athletes, right? So. I mean, all of the associations, all these guys have with their sponsor partners in terms of, you know, all the releases that came right after the fact. And obviously, Phil's were the biggest, you know, with, with Callaway and one of our earlier guests. But, I mean, there's so many ripple effects down through all of it, you know. So at this point now, almost, you know, the entire the way through October, I mean, what what do we make of it all? We don't need to dwell on this by any stretch, but. You know, I, I don't pay attention to it. Um, you know, I was morbidly curious that very first event and watched on YouTube. I have not spent any time with it since then. And based on what I could tell on Twitter, when you can see how many people were watching, it doesn't sound like anyone else on the planet is spending any time with it either. They've obviously figured out they need to address the broadcast TV piece of this. Um, and, and then you get the report that they're looking at buying time on Fox in order to broadcast these events, which again, like with everything with live, it's just convoluted and laughable. And yet there's well, let's a add bottomless to that, pit. Add to that context, right? The whole Fox thing. Who for one year, one very short year was the Fox lead analyst who got unceremoniously dumped who then said, I'm never going to ever, ever kind of thing, and who's now crawling back hoping, and now actually now suggesting that that they'll pay for space and time on Fox, but none other than Mr. Greg Norman. So He is the, the king of shameless, isn't he? The irony is just amazing, and, and it's just all part of the... Um, sort of pathetic nature but I'm, I'm i'm with you i haven't really paid any attention i guess i paid that's not true i've paid a little bit of attention only because i'm curious about the results and who wins and you know there's a couple of guys from medalists who are there in fact peter uline i mean there's somebody who i very much like as a person disappointed he went to live but like as a person but it's impossible not to argue that live was a great decision for him yeah i mean he, he's made far more money now in just this very short period of time than he ever would have on the PGA Tour, in my opinion. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I I don't I don't feel any warmer or fuzzier to live, but but it certainly seems like there's a place for it for some people. And I'm I'm exhausted with the antagonistic sort of back and forth craziness. You know, Phil's ridiculousness this week or whenever it was of, you know. I'm on the right side of this. Yeah. And it just, uh, it, you know. That's not going to end. I mean, that well, that will not end until there is either a compromise, which I don't think any of the three of us see coming, or something else. I mean, that is just the talking points that they're on, right? And he's right. the he's the lead figurehead. And Rory on the other side is obviously the figurehead for the tour. I, I don't see any end in sight for that. 
I just thinking of when you guys were talking about not watching it and, and nor have I, but it's funny because in the fall with like the wraparound season, besides the president's cup, I mean, I look for the winner, you know, seeing Keegan win, but I don't watch a ton of regular tour golf in the fall, you know, think, thinking about what you just said, like I'm but never have, myself, right. I mean, but no, never I don't No, I right. just listen to you guys talk about, it. I'm sitting there going to myself, well, I'm not really glued to the tour either right now, right. just because it's kind of that shoulder season. Uh, but I do care, you know, about, about now it'll be interesting next year. Obviously the, the tour just announced, you know, what four additional elevated events that'll rotate on. An Which by event. the way, the Phoenix open will be a I know. crazed shit show because it's Bowl. Super Bowl yeah. weekend Super Bowl and everything. Yeah. Banana land. Super Bowl weekend. And yeah. the field will be the best field they've ever had. Yeah. Right. Right. That's going to be crazy. I agree. And so my, 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 the question on that was, I, don't, I haven't looked to see what Liv's schedule is next year. Will they always, will they make sure they never align with any of those elevated events? Obviously, the majors they're never going to line up with because they want their people in them. But, you know, I'm wondering how that'll be in terms of, you, you know, you said. Well, it's a great look- question, you know, because they clearly went out of their way this year to not have conflicts. Yeah. But as the antagonism rises, right. does that change? And the tour tries to elevate more events so they don't have space sure. to do it. You know, I'm not sure. sure. It'll be interesting to see how that plays well, out. Well, the head honcho of, of Liv, well, I don't know the guy's name at all, but he came out this week and said, if 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 our guys can't play in their majors, and we'll just have our own majors. <laughs> yep. And <laughs> by the way, speaking of that, I mean, the, the world golf ranking stuff is just tedious too. And I mean, it's it's – you know, I, I think, TK, you're right. That I think both sides feel like somebody has to win. The idea that that there could be compromise, boy, that seems a long way off right now because it's it's all about winning. It's all about burying the tour. And and the tour has obviously responded and said, we we trust our product. We trust our customers to consume it. We, we think that they're going to consume it even more with these elevated events and with these marquee fields. Um, so they're not, they're not going to sit back and let this thing kind of percolate like they did before live launched. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. Somebody, somebody feels like they got a win here. And I don't, I, I don't think anybody knows what winning looks like for either side. I mean, I guess more legitimacy for live and the ability for guys to go play whatever events they want. But I mean, it seems like that's going to be jammed up in court forever at this point. Well, I mean, the, the 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 greatest voice of reason, I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but but the voice of reason that that to me sort of resonated was Harold Varner. Harold Varner said, you know what? I knew what I was getting into. Yep. I took the money knowing what I was getting into. Whether we get points or don't get points, I kind of knew going into that that was going to be an issue. To me, it makes me embrace him, right? I mean, it makes me say, you know what? Okay, he gets it. But, authenticity right right but well, yeah. the whining about not getting something you knew you weren't going to get when you took the money that's where you kind of you kind of lose me yeah i i agree about varner he's been the 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 one voice i think from live that you can you almost become disarmed a little bit and say okay at least this guy is being his authentic self and not pretending this is something that it's not that this is some sort of noble endeavor he said it was about money and he also said to your point, Scott, I, you know, it is what it is. If we can't play, we can't play. And I made this decision knowing that I might not be able to play at Augusta ever again. So, 
So if you're live, why wouldn't you just make the changes that would fit the criteria of the world ranking? I, I don't understand. Why don't we just have you? You can have this is rhetorical, I mean, right? Well, I, I just don't understand if, if it just seems weird to me that so play 72 holes, have a cut. If those are the things now, you'll never get a full field. I get that part of it. So that may still be. But I don't know. It just seems like. They're asking they, for things they, that aren't haven't realistic. Haven't they then betrayed everything they told the players that you don't have to play 72 whole events and you don't have a cut and you're guaranteed money. And, and now they've screwed themselves because those are the requirements for, for getting world golf ranking points. And, but they can't go back now because they, they sold it to these guys. But, you know, at the end of the day, who the hell knows what's in those contracts those guys signed anyway. They probably signed their lives away. That's true. Let me anyway. uh, I'm, I'm circle back. This is because uh, I think this incident happened after the last time we chatted and you mentioned Brooks and Bryson. Can we talk about the Bryson clothesline for like a hot minute? Because that was just ridiculous. It's so Bryson, though. It's on. It is so Bryson. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Can you imagine going through that and reacting that way? Well, and, and the mocking he's gotten afterwards from across the sports universe. It's so good. I mean, right. it, it showed you if they, one of their buddies did that and, and reacted somewhat similar, they 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 mocked him because they don't like him. He's unlikable. I can't believe Brooks didn't mock him in some way, shape or form. Right. I and mean, that's that would be that's like low hanging fruit for him. But now they're they, buddies. They can't. Right? Did they're buddies. See, did you see how cringy it was when he tried to, you know, make fun of himself on YouTube yeah. or it's in it's at the, like, at the long dude, drive contest or whatever. Dude, yeah. you're just not funny. You're not funny at all or engaging. Well, he just doesn't have a sense of the tone of the room. He just, that's to me what, you know, he just doesn't have any feel for the atmosphere. He's very no. awkward socially. Yeah. Well, he's, he, he truly is. I mean, listen, he's gifted. He's a savant in, in, in the word of like a savant. They're not, they stand alone on an Island. Right, they don't. They yeah. don't have self awareness of what's going on. They're they're unique to who they are. Yeah, he just doesn't have it. He doesn't have touch points around him whatsoever. It's just a tool. Um, <laughs> so speaking of speaking. By the of way, action, TK, do you sense that there's a bit of an edge to 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 Maddie? Do you think is any correlation to the Fighting Irish football team? I mean, I can't believe it took ten minutes. That I, I mean, I, I don't even know. Was, are they still D one? <laughs> Is he, are they on UNH's schedule next year? I'll I'll mute you. <laughs> I'll fine. mute you. Oh, hey, wow. you know what? The way they played last weekend, I think UNH should probably beat them by two touchdowns. No, but D, I I had to get the line for the UNH Dartmouth game because I couldn't get it on DraftKings, so Mr. Raymond got it for me. <laughs> well, of course he did. Well, our friend Brett Wilson sent me a photo with a picture of the bet he placed that UNH would cover, and I said UNH will cover. So anyway. Um. Yeah, Brett, uh, Brett Brett had asked me in Vegas about the Notre Dame game last weekend. And my advice was to bet it down to 13 and a half, um, which was good advice. And then they lost outright. So, look, it's a first-year coach. I'm being very patient. You guys know me. I'm one of the more patient people on the planet. Um, <laughs> man, Tyler doing a non-visual or a non-audio thing right now that people can't see. But I was reacting. Well, I texted you after your buddy Brian Kelly was getting absolutely spanked, and you kind of gave me the Heisman on that one. No, I said who? Yeah. We don't, we don't speak those two words in our house anymore. Really? Well, ironically, I'm looking at the Notre Dame. I hadn't looked at all six games yet since the beginning of the season. Your two best games where you competed were against – 
the highly ranked teams. So they play up, right? They just What's their record again? They're three and three. And, you know, two of their losses are to top 20 teams. Uh, pardon me. Only one, but the, they beat BYU, who was number 16. So they're playing up when they need to play up. They just are playing down on the other side. I mean, they've lost outside of the Ohio State game. They've lost to two teams that have two combined FBS wins during the season. It's not It's not great. It, it's not. But Are we okay with the coach? It's six games. I mean, you can't even count the bowl game last year. I don't think I, That's really. not what I it's, asked. I know how many games they played. Yeah, it's it'll be fine. He's a recruiter, so it'll all come down to that, right? I mean, it'll be fine. You know, I think about how bad I sucked at my first job, so um, and maybe still suck at my current job, but um, I think he'll be fine. I think he's a smart guy. I, I think he's he's. So there's a question for you: In your first year as executive director of the NHJ, were you three and three early on? Oh, I was probably worse than that. I mean, <laughs> I'll pull back the I'll pull back the curtain here. I remember after a board meeting that didn't go particularly well, I went home and said to my wife, "I don't I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I have I'm faking it, and I am in over my head and have no clue what's what's going on here. Um, and I'm guessing in a lot of ways, to a different degree, Marcus Freeman probably feels the same way that he can't believe that this you know they're losing to Marshall and Stanford." So are we equating the AD of Notre Dame to Scott Peters right now in the three-way podcast <laughs> as the recruiter? I was going to – I didn't want to be mean, but I said, yeah, well, I called Steck on the way home from that same damn meeting. <laughs> How the hell did we get here, by the way? We were just talking about what a douche Bryson is. and This is fantastic wow. transition. Seamless transition. It, it, it always is on this show. Um. By the way, I was going to, speaking of transitions, um, a guy who is or seemingly very likable, who has just fallen off the map in the last few years. But man, it was great to see Ricky Fowler play well last weekend. I think it seemed like everybody on golf Twitter was really pulling for him to win. So that was nice to see him back and, and really competing. Absolutely. Scotty, a little medalist versus medalist matchup there coming down the stretch. I liked it. I liked yeah. it. Yeah, we got a little Woodstock, Vermont going against it. You know what? Um, I agree. I think I think Ricky's handled his 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 uh, downturn, his lull in his performance in a classy manner. Yeah. And when people do that, it's hard not to cheer for him. You know, he's he's taken a lot of heat. He's played poorly, um, and it's been a long time, right? And you know, gets rid of his he gets rid of his best buddy Caddy, who then goes on and dominates with Tom Kim. So that's got to be painful. He goes back to Butch Harmon. I think it's great that he's back to playing well. I was surprised that he missed a couple short butts there coming down the stretch. I don't know if you guys watched it, but, you know, he had a couple of very makeable, what, five-footers that he missed down the stretch. So, you know, there's still there's still a building of confidence that he's trying to work on, I think. But but I, I think golf's better when Ricky Fowler's playing well. So, Yeah, absolutely. That's, a, it's a, that's fair. There was uh, some images online – you know, and the reason why he's so likable, right? So wherever he's fallen to in the in the world rankings, you know, he he's one of the guys who signs every last autograph. So there's right. there's kids over there who are attending that event who really, you know, wh why would they know Fowler, right? If they're if they're six seven years old, they have not seen him, you know, at his peak, and he they're still engaged with him because of his flair and his the colors he wears and how he's marketed, and sure. he sticks around and signs those autographs, and that's why he still plays. And is a fan favorite. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, and the whole speaking most... of putting issue, the right. I mean, who nobody's come over putting challenges more than Keegan because yeah. he was one of the main reasons the the anchor ban was initiated, and so a lot of his bad play has been directly correlated his putter. So for him to overcome that, that's admirable as well. Yeah, I would agree. Um, TK, I, I, I know you kind of brought up the President's Cup in passing. I don't know how much you guys watched or were engaged. I, you, you find it incredibly hard, at least I do, to, to really spend time with it, almost feeling like the, the outcome is, is um, you, you know what it's going to be anyway, because it's been that for all but, what, two years when they tied and when the international team won in like 98 or whatever, I think. But um, I logged some time with it, just interested to get your guys' thoughts. Also, do we like Quail Hollow? I feel like I'm extremely indifferent on it, that some good holes, but I, I, I'm just not that crazy about the golf course, but I'll, I'll throw both of those out there as topics related to the President's Cup. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the team events. Now, did I watch a ton of it? No, obviously, because it was the same weekend that we both, you know, all three of us had our events, you know, so I didn't watch a lot of it live, but I watched, uh, you know, I, I kept up with it and watched the highlights. A uh, couple takeaways. Um, I love that we might have kind of our new Captain America in one of Scotty's favorites, Max Homa. You know, really kind of like filled that role that we that we need on the team. I just think you you have the the, the spiritual leader, so to speak. You know, Jordan's kind of the, the Jordan's definitely the mentor leader, and Max is probably that next emotional leader of the team. Hopefully, um, he kind of came through that way, at least for me. Tom Kim on the other side. I mean. What just awesome. So th those are the awesome moments of the event. I agree. I mean, after Friday, the event was almost a foregone conclusion. Yeah. Internationals made a little bit of a run on Saturday to make it mm, kind of maybe a competitive event. And then halfway through Sunday, it was obviously over. So yeah, that's a challenge because you, you do know what's about to happen. Um, Quail Hollow, I'm not sure I have a much of an opinion on the course. I do like what the tour did with kind of that first whole setup. That I thought was pretty cool, kind of walking through the tunnel where you have fans on both sides. Uh, it's very uh, reminiscent of, I think they actually may have gotten the idea from Cowboy Stadium. So the players go through a tunnel where there's bar, a bar atmosphere on both mm -hmm. sides at Cowboy yeah. Stadium, and you kind of come to the first tee. So I love that, and I'm sure the, the Ryder Cup has something similar or will, will emulate it. Um, I love the team events. You're right. It doesn't have the same allure as the Ryder Cup, obviously. Well, it can't, right? Because the internationals don't win. And until they start winning, it won't have the same appeal. Um, that being said, I think their future is bright. I mean, Tom Kim's a stud. You know, Sun JM's of the world, really good. They got hurt pretty badly by by the whole live set thing. So they lost some really key players. Yeah. So I think the future's actually bright. And, and to your point, TK, team events, match play events, those are great. We don't get enough of them. You know, maybe if they had them too often, we wouldn't like it. But boy, they're great to watch. Yeah. Um, uh, the future for the USA teams, ridiculously good. I mean, you've got some teams that are darn close to unbeatable. You got Cantlay and Shoffley. I mean, there's how many more years will they play together forever? Uh, you had Jordan, Jordan and JT. Again, another pairing that is so good. Captain Stick goes 5-0. and 5-0 oh, right? and oh for your boy. Right, love Max uh, Scheffler and remind me who's Scheffler partner, but he played with Sam Burns quite a bit. Right, so yeah. there. I mean, so boy, the future for U.S. you know Ryder Cup slash Presidents Cup teams is incredibly bright. Uh, 
And to Quail Hollow, you know, great golf courses aren't necessarily great match play golf courses. And that's sort of what jumps to mind to me is that I think Quail Hollow is a darn good golf course, but I'm not sure. I remember hearing JT get interviewed. He said, you know, it's a hard golf course where there's going to be a lot of pars, not birdies. And so yeah. holes were being won with pars instead of birdies. And I think that that sort of speaks to that it's not necessarily a great course for that type of event. But yeah, you, you definitely like to see those roars that come when you have birdie on top of birdie or eagle on top of eagle. Um, it certainly does make it a little more exciting. But uh, And obviously they tried to kind of manipulate the course a little bit, right? They yeah. moved 16, 17, 18 into the, sure. the, the meat of the course. I, I think they were thinking the same things of what you guys are talking about, right? Um, and, and obviously all the negotiations that go on on the back end of why courses get, get it, right? And I believe... Next year is at Royal Montreal, pretty close to us. Right, right. That'll be cool. Yeah. Right. Road trip. Three-way miss road trip. I, but the, the, yeah, but here's the problem. It's always going to be – it's not – pardon me. It's obviously not next year. It's it's two years. Two years, now. yeah. But uh, it's always going to fall typically on TKI weekend now. Or, and yeah, I'd be curious. Is that, is, I'd be curious. I was thinking that very thing. You know, Ryder Cup was this year's President's Cup. I don't know. if Is that going to be the traditional dates? I think – I mean, I can't say it's set in I mean, Royal Montreal in later September. I don't know. I suppose it's fine, but yeah. Yeah, that's that's where it, that's where it has been. You know what I mean? So we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Ryder Cup, looking back, I mean, there's so many times where you see there's people got hoodies on and and uh, right. and and, right. and, we'll, and stocking winter hats on and whatnot. You know, that's that's kind of that fall. Yeah, that's part that's, of it. That's part of it, exactly. Right. So here's a question. If the dates do work out and we put together a three-way bus, bus trip, do Natty and Keen make it on the bus? <laughs> well, we'd have to run it by the background checks. <laughs> How do they get across the border? You think Sam has a passport? No, God. He lives on the border, but he doesn't have a passport. <laughs> I think, so by the way, there's something right there. The three-way miss bus to the President's Cup. I'm imagine? already worried. Can you I'm, imagine? I'm already I mean, worried. Now nah, I've got sponsorships already lined up for it. So we're <laughs> well, good. We could clearly get to Montreal. The question <laughs> is, could we get back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I know we've we've uh, danced around it a little bit, but I'd I'd love for you guys to give us some uh, some stories and perspective on the TK. Um, about a month ago, as we talked about, obviously a, a very fun and popular event for. For you guys who played in it for years, I know you guys fought some uh, some interesting weather, especially the first day for sure, and a couple of dancing fools shooting eleven under or whatever on the first day. But uh, but give us the the recap here for everybody who uh, maybe was there and for the folks that weren't. Well, I'll throw the two quick over over uh, the themes of the event, at least from my perspective, which was a Brett and Stack. My goodness, I mean, yeah. we all know how good they are and. You know, they're obviously dear friends of all of ours and exceptional golfers, but but the but the score they put up qualifying in 45 degree weather and 15 mile an hour north winds. Spitting sleet. I mean, it was that was stunning. They shot eleven under par qualifying, which at first I thought they were kidding. Um, and then they went and sort of produced four great victories. And and it's hard not to acknowledge that. They are and were the very best team in the event and absolutely deserved um, to win. Um, so 11 under. And, you know, in fairness, 
They, they've played together in this event now three times. Steck's played it a bunch in earlier years, but Brett's played three times. So Brett and Steck have played three times, and, and they've lost in the finals the first two years. And so I was talking to him right before, right before their finals again this year, and, and Brett looks at me and goes, well, you can't lose in three finals without getting to the finals again for the third time. So uh, obviously he meant that joking. They played great. They were, they were needless to say, by far the most deserving team. And, and 11 under was, was stunning. And by the way, it was 11 birdies, no bogeys, no eagles, which is sort of unique in and of itself. So that was certainly, to me, the, the main story. The sub-story from my perspective is the, the baton is getting passed. And, uh, and for the first time, I lost to my two boys in the first round of, of the, uh, of the uh, championship flight match play. And so, you know, look, I'm, I, I, you guys know I'm a competitor. I like to win, but, and, and, and there's no way I would ever let anybody win. But, you know, the boys deserved it. I was happy for them. They played well. We were not our best, but they played well. And, and I know they were pretty thrilled. So to watch my two boys beat, uh, my partner, Annie, and I, uh, while not thrilled, I was still pretty happy for him. So that was pretty significant from my perspective. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, we were on the 15th hole in our match. I want to say Scotty maybe was two matches ahead of us, give or take. And Ben and, ben and uh, Tommy pull up. What, what was the outcome? Uh, we took him down. Where is he? And there he is. He's driving over there. Is he talking to anybody? No, not right now, really. <laughs> I was fine. No, that no, no. I'm just speaking to that. That's the competitor in you, and we're totally fine with that. Sure. No, nobody's going to be joyous after a loss. Yeah. Well, I think that's the nature. We talked about this. I know a little bit last year when when I had the chance to play. That's that's what I think is so fun about that format. Is one, you don't feel the pressure, feeling like it's just your you against one other person. Um, you have a teammate, but it just you know, for somebody like me who doesn't play a lot of or any real match play events, I mean, heck, even the club championship over at Concord is a is a two-day stroke play event. That really, it feels good to have those competitive juices going. And I think for all of us in that moment when you can be really mad after a match and say, I can't effing believe we just lost that match, but all it takes is 10 minutes, 15 minutes in a, in a cold beverage in your hand. And you just, you're, you're more embracing how fun it was to go out there and compete against somebody. Um, and at the end of the day, you end up being happy for whoever you lost with them. In Scott's case, even, I think, especially happy for, for those two to pull it off. Yeah. I mean, I'll agree with that for sure. Not, not, not hundred percent happy depending who you lose to, but that, that one works when you, when you're, when it's in a family. For sure. But you know, Maddie, to your point, you know, match play best ball doesn't happen very much and right. you know to add the only time it really happens for me throughout the years it's usually like in a member guest and that's nine holes net right so to do an 18 hole gross you know no stroke 18 hole it's really kind of a fun and refreshing format which you don't get really in any other tournament that i ever played no, you, you so, just hit the nail on the head scotty no strokes 18 holes those are the two factors that make it totally different Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it's a shame we've lost those those events. I think in, in from the golf association standpoint, you know, those are events that need a lot of time to run. You've got to have qualifying, the yeah. and then you need multiple days to get through 
you know, ideally multiple flights of match play so that everybody feels like they can compete. And that's, that's the big challenge is how do you, how do you, cause it's look, I think you guys would admit that they do a great job, but it's a big ask for Queechee. It's, it is no it's, question. It's a lot going on. You've got to turn matches around. I mean, you guys didn't finish one night, right? Because of, of darkness. So that's a right. challenge in and of itself when you're trying right. to get two rounds of match play in a single day. Yeah. Well, um, that, yeah, that was our match. Our morning match kind of pushed that. You know, we went 21 holes with Nick and Shane McDonald, and it was 2.30 p.m. when we finished our first match. Wow. So we were we were going to struggle, both sides. So they won on 21. And guess what? It wasn't the state am champ that won it. it old Mac. Old, old Shane. Shady Mac. Yeah, Sneaky Shane. Won the 21st hole, and unfortunately, it was a battle. It was a great match. And, you know, we go to the backside, and you're deflated, like Scotty said, because just lost, and you're it's 3 o'clock, and you're teeing off. And chain off 10 into the 20 mile hour wind. That <laughs> right. <drop. laughs> right. Right. So I'll tell you this. Matt raised a good point, And I, I, I want to acknowledge how great a job uh, that Queechee does. You know, it's only their second year without has hosted the event and they've embraced it from day one. Um, and they've done such a great job. Um, and so we're so fortunate to have that. The other sort of master, the obvious comment I'll make is, you know, because we had to change courses within that framework. That meant we had to change dates. And so one of the, the, the couple things that stick out about that is September and late September and October is a lot different than late July because it was chilly. Um, so the weather dynamics very different. And to the point that you just made, the days are shorter. Yeah. And so to try and get 64 teams around two matches in a day, that's a tough thing on Saturday. And so it's two years in a row where we've, not been able to complete both, you know, both sets of matches for every team. And so that makes a new, that's a new dynamic. Because, you know, for example, my two boys had to come back Sunday morning to play the 20th hole of their second round match. That's a tough thing to do. You know, I mean, it was 40 degrees and you haven't hit a ball and it's, you're now you in the, you you're slept on it. Yeah, slept on it all night thinking about the, the 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 one shot you have to hit, which you know is so important, is the tee shot. It's it is tough. That's a challenge. Well, and and as you would might imagine, by the end of Saturday in golf, you're feeling different than you are Sunday Sunday <laughs> morning, <laughs> and you can draw whatever conclusions you'd like. Um, you but you're more feeling festive on Saturday night. <laughs> By the end, of, by the time darkness rolls around, you've probably had a beverage or two, and you're playing good, and you're feeling good, and you're, then all of a sudden you got to shut her down and show up at you know the crack the next morning at seven a.m. and forty degrees. The mind and body you're functioning differently, so that's a, a an interesting part of it. But um, you know, we found a home there. We love the event. Um, there are probably a bunch of other stories we're not thinking of, but. Uh, uh, it was really fun as always. Talk to me about the tri-states, Manny. Yeah, it was uh, another good weekend for the boys. Obviously, it was uh, a little bit strange um, to not have some of our core guys like Steck and, and Brett there. I mean, those two guys have been on the tri-state team every year that I've been here. Um, and, and to a large degree, they are kind of our de facto team captains. I mean, some of the guys will consider me the captain, but I try to stay out of the way and let the guys pick who they want to play with and who they're most comfortable playing with. Um, so that was a little bit different, but it was also a great opportunity to get some new blood on the team and get some new faces to, to experience what you guys know is, is a really fun weekend that is about 
the competition, but it's more about the camaraderie and, and sharing drinks after the round and going back to the rental house and, and hanging out with the guys. Um, so we really had a lot of fun. I think everybody who, who was there embraced it. All 14 of our uh, team, New Hampshire folks really embraced the event. Um, and the guys played well and, and got it taken care of. We, we sort of uh, worked through some scheduling challenges too, where we didn't start until 11 o'clock on Sunday, which meant that we finished very late in the afternoon on Sunday and didn't really get to collectively hang around and enjoy the victory because, you know, the Seacoast guys were looking at a three and a half hour drive back home on a, uh, on a Sunday evening, but I can imagine how team Maine. Yes. Those guys, those guys weren't real thrilled about that either, but um, imagine but another uh, another great weekend um, for sure, and and the guys pulled through and and played great, which is awesome. And Manchester Country Club, I don't know if you guys have had the opportunity to to get over there at all, but um, you know the golf course was phenomenal. I played Friday in the practice round with a couple of the guys, and the condition of the golf course, not just the greens but the fairways, um, you know, just unbelievably perfect um so it was it, it was a great weekend goes too fast and you know you you, you show up friday thinking it's going to be a long weekend and they're going to be so many laughs and you're driving away sunday and you feel like you just got there but um lots of reminiscing on the way home it was a it was a good weekend to be sure nice. yeah, you just you just hit the nail on the head though man that sunday drive away and even monday morning after those premier events you know for us it's the tk for you there's probably multiple events God, those are hard. <laughs> they, they are hard. The texts are going around. And it's like, well, 361 days till we do it again. Right? <laughs> you know, we we rented a house um, for a, a large portion of the team. And in Sunday, most of the guys had headed over to the golf course to get warmed up. And I was kind of, you know, cleaning up the Airbnb and throwing trash away. And, um, it, you know, it's it's depressing. It's sad. And, and you've been there for two nights. And it's, you know, it's not like this was a week-long vacation, but you start thinking about shooting the shit around the island in the kitchen and, you know, guys having drinks and reminiscing and talking about tournaments and, and it's, it, it does go too fast. And, and you feel like I hope just silly wasn't in charge of music. Cause last time I was on the tri-state team, he was in charge of music and he fell short. No, he wasn't in charge of anything. <laughs> <laughs> He did. He did put some tunes on. Um, I think each of the the, the first two mornings, but um, outside of that, no, we did not have anybody really in charge of of music. But um, you know, it's just it's it's so much fun. I'm I'm so glad that we've got a team, and we've got, we have players in the state that work to make that team because it means that much to them, and it's important for them to be a part of it. So, um, not to take anything away from either event, but I sure hope that the other states will start to rotate maybe a little bit later in the fall for tri-state. So we don't have these, these conflicts moving forward. So Maddie, as you look back on your, your year of the NHGA, what sort of sticks out to you as far as the championships and such? Um, well, I, I think the biggest thing that has to stick out for me really is, is the, uh, the, the merger with the women's association and, and kind of taking what was already a really busy schedule um, with events that were full all over the place and then adding 30 some odd events to it um, created a lot of, a lot of challenges logistically with the small staff. Um, but I think in the end, everything, everything worked out great and, and we continue to have a really engaged membership and, 
and player base. And, and I think, you know, what I always walk away from a, a season is, you know, juniors, ladies, seniors, um, you know, men, women, it, we have a lot of really good players in this state. Um, you just look at, I know it's kind of recency bias here, but you look at who is battling out at the mid and Allison Nest a couple of weeks ago, you know, James Pleat and Ryan Cole and Jim Silly, uh, Jeremy Duhamel, who's uh, just, just turned 25. It's unbelievable. Great story behind him. This year. Yeah. Unbelievable. The depth of talent and the quality of golf that we see played at, at, at just every level. And, um, you know, we can, we can sneak up on some people here and, and have people go and compete in national events. So I think that's, that's what really sticks out to me. And it's kind of that way at the end of every year, but for a, a, a tiny little state that not a lot of people associate with golf, man, do we have some people that can play. So anecdotally, let me add to that. Um, because I was part of one of the best rounds I've ever seen this year or ever seen ever at Sunapee. So we referenced Brett Wilson and Steck winning the TK. A mere four days later, I am paired with my friend Brett Wilson in the fall classic. He doesn't play any golf, does he? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, I love golf. I, I, I'm dwarfed compared to the amount of rounds he puts in. But anyway, um, so we're playing at, at the Lake Centipede Fall Classic. It's, again, another one of those 45, maybe 50 degrees, 50. I mean, it's cold, raw, greens are, pins are tucked, you know. And we start on 10. And my partner goes, um, birdies 10, he birdies 11, he birdies 13, he birdies 14, he birdies 15, he birdies 17. And this is where I go, we are six under through eight. <laughs> it's a because, team game. Because I parred 12 and he made bogey. <laughs> and it's a team game, damn it. But anyway, long story short, uh, we as a team were eight under par. Brett was seven under par on his own ball. And because it was the format it was, and, you know, when I was in for a hole, he picked up a couple holes here and there. Uh, but essentially, he shot seven under 63, which would be the course record. But because he didn't put out because of the format and such, it isn't. But but I would tell you, that was one of the finest rounds of golf. I've ever, Well, the best round of golf I've ever seen at Sunapee. Um, but I looked at him when we finished because he had just shot 11 under with Steck. What is that? Six days previously. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how are you doing? I mean, how's your game? You doing all right? <laughs> I mean. Anyway, so I wanted to acknowledge the uh, the special week Brett had, sort of emphasizing the point you made, Matt, which is there's a lot of good golfers around here. And, you know, scores like 11 under for best ball and, and seven under individual. That's good stuff, man. You know, I don't well, care like, where you are and, and what it, state you're from. or That's just good golf. I totally I, – I think that, unfortunately, because of the PGA Tour, you know, 63, 64, 65, 66 is almost normalized. Those aren't numbers. You know, people don't, you know, their attention isn't peaked when they see, unless they see 60 or 61, even on the tour. But we have players regularly going out and shooting rounds in the 60s. And I, I, I'm not sure that a lot of golfers necessarily are able to wrap their head around just how good shooting 
63 is it's ridiculous just how good shooting 67 is that is a ridiculously good round of golf which and you're totally correct 100 percent um but if i may you know 67 great score i mean great score right he was four better and and it's one thing to be four better when you shoot 82 and somebody's 78 i mean but to be four better once you're that many under and it yes. just speaks to you know, to shoot those kinds of scores, you've got to be comfortable being under par. Yeah. Because for those people who aren't fortunate enough to get under par very often, and I'll shoot under par a few times every year, but, but I mean, when you get three and four under par, there's a fear within your mindset and your game that is uncharted, right? You've never really been there. And so, you know, it's, it's hard playing well when you're playing poorly. It's really hard playing well when you're playing your best rounds ever. And so um, it's like that next level, you know, when people have never broken 80 or people have never broken 90 or people never broken par or whatever it is, those barriers are real. Uh, but then when you're even well below, you know, scores that really anybody shoots and to still continue to play at that level, it's very impressive and it's very few people can do it. Well, what did he birdie three out of the first four at Sunapee? And then in his mind, it's now I'm going to step on it. Now I'm going right. to go out and really shoot a low score. Not that I would ever be in a situation where I'd birdie three out of the first. There's a reason there's something called a, a, a post birdie fuck up, right? Because right. even just one in a round for some people, all of a sudden your mind starts racing. And well, um, Maddie, that's just it. You, you you could birdie three out of the first four. It's it's the completion of the round. That's right. the mental part of it. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's it, that's what it is. Every if a pro is sitting at sixty and has a shot on eighteen to shoot fifty nine, he's thinking about it. When Brett's at sixty five or sixty four, he wants to get one more to go to sixty three, and the pressure the pressure is in that next you know stroke. Well, that's what well, let me. We all want to get to sixty three, but the mindset to get there is when that's what changes because now all of a sudden your mindset is not what your mindset was to get there, right? So you got there, you got to your whatever, four of the first five holes birding with a certain mindset. Now you're four under through five. It's really hard to maintain that same mindset. So now you've got to deal with prosperity, which we never have to deal with on the golf course. You know what I mean? It's always dealing with adversity. And so, so to maintain the same mindset that got you there is – is a skill in and of itself. Yeah, totally agree. And, and, it's, and I equate that a little bit to like the aggressive mindset of that player, right? You know, I go, I, I'm, I'm three under through nine. I'm not th thinking about going six under through eighteen. I'm like, don't fuck this up and stay at right. three under. <laughs> I hope I can still be under par at the end right. of the round. Man, even looks great right now. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Dropping F bombs. By the way, not to not to digress, but I, you know, I think one of the other big big takeaways and issues we've had as an organization this year has been dealing with players hitting into groups, um, you know, and and dealing with the inevitable fallout from from that. I mean, I can think of as recently as last Monday at, at Kachiko, I witnessed an incident. And can you walk me through it? Yes, this I, this is totally inside baseball, everyone. I it? know that's why I'm playing dumb here. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, naturally. I wouldn't. Um, these guys, I wouldn't allow them back in any future tournaments. <laughs> I'm sorry, Matty Steck. You're out of the. You're out of the. You're out of the league. 
Well, it was, it was, um, it wasn't funny, obviously, because no, nobody wants to do that, of course, in any, any circumstance, but we happened to be on the first tee and, and Tyler's group was playing number two at Kachiko and, and had an incident hitting into a group and to Tyler's credit, he handled it perfectly. I think everybody has the same sort of regret anytime that happens because we've all been on the receiving end of it. Were, and... were there words? Was there anger? No, no. He, so I'll give you the scenario. So we're on to Kachiko. For those that don't know, it's a, a one goes up the hill, two goes back down the hill. And we have a group of ladies. So it's a mixed event in front of oh, us dear. on two. And we've waited at, we, we waited at the turn because we started on the back. So we're coming around the front and we were, we were well behind them. We get to two T. We don't see them. We wait another five minutes. We see a group on the green. We think it's them. Uh, Patrick James was the other one in our group. It's a random. I didn't know him before the round. Phenomenal guy, new, new guy to New Hampshire, member at Baker Hill. Maddie Steck walks up to the first hole, which is a little bit of higher ground, looks down, doesn't see anybody. I follow Matt up. So we're, we're kind of going through protocol. I don't see anybody either. Patrick hits down the cart path, must have been right where their carts were, but they don't react. So we don't see anyone kind of come up on the, the, the hill or the high ground to see anybody. Maddie hits down the middle, right? We, no one reacts. There's no reaction. So we, we definitely think they're on the green. I hit, goes right near Maddie's down the middle. And, and Craig Steck, who was on the tee with Maddie, said the lady's cart was moving and it literally flew by her cart mm -hmm. in the air. And so we come over the ledge or we start down the hole. There's only three of us. Our fourth didn't show. And, and we see their carts pulling away. Or, or no, pardon me, taking a step back. Finally, one of them went up to the, the high ground because they probably thought we had a fourth player. Yeah. And they're waving their hands. And I'm like, and all three of us are like, oh, boy. You know, just one of those oh, boy moments. Right away, I said, Maddie, Maddie's driving. I said, Maddie, drive to the green. So we just went up to the green, pop out. There's nothing you can do because it's genuine, you know, genuine mistake. Two of the ladies were totally accepting of it, accepted the apology. One lady was a little hot, understandably, right? They're all going to have their different reactions. Sure. Had a 30-second conversation with them, spun around, head, head back to your ball. That's, that's what it is, right? So, but to, to the point, you got Schmitty, Wilson, Craig Steck, and Bill Kruger standing on the first tee. It could watching, not have been more perfectly placed. Watching this skit go on in the second fairway. And, you know, us almost just – Kill these four ladies that are down there in this. So, so when you say just so, for, so people know, that is Steck, the proud father of Matt Steck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm playing with his son. That's why I said, yeah, Matt, you're out of all future <laughs> and, HG events. I'm and sorry. by the way, Steck did not say, "Oh, well, that's that's Matt down there." He was enjoying the show like the rest of us were. <laughs> every every last bit of it. And it, it is, you know, TK. It's one of those things. It's great that we have all these golf courses that are willing to host these events for us, and and that folks that don't get to an opportunity to play at some of these courses, but that is inevitably what happens where you guys all know at your home courses, there are holes where, you know, maybe not so much at Portsmouth, but at Concord, for instance, number two, same thing as Kachigo is a perfect example. Right. Is yeah, I could see that happening all the time. And when members play, everybody knows that if there's one person in a cart, they sit in their cart at the top of the hill until everybody is clear and the yep. group on the tee yep. can I hit. Can see and, that. And even if you have four walkers, um, you're you're standing there waiting a good amount of time before you know when to play. And people just don't. It, and why would it, right? It's it, it's 
perfectly reasonable to think it's not going to register with us to think we need because when we played that hole of course you know we we kind of got a chuckle out of the whole thing on the tee but then brett made the comment to bill hey bill pull your cart up there and park on top of the hill so that the guys behind us will see that we're still here until we're out of the way that that we can go so it's that the local knowledge of knowing the golf course um which again it's no one's fault people don't play these golf courses a lot how would how would they possibly know right honestly totally true and i think it was just a timing thing like i we were, i think in our heads we're like there's no way they can still be in that valley right. we're, we're we're behind now <laughs> So it's, there was a multitude of factors coming together there. And then, of course, we're hitting to a ladies group, which just obviously adds the twist to it all. So beautiful. Sorry, TK, I had to bring it up. No, you should. <laughs> Wilson couldn't wait to have it as a topic. And, and, and Shocking. Mr. Text, Mr. text himself, you know, yep. there's a – we're not yep. even to the – the apology is not even done, and there's a text in my inbox from him. <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. And I think as we wrap up here, um, sending our best wishes to the aforementioned Craig Stekowicz, who I know was dealing with a uh, a COVID situation. He tested positive yesterday. When? I just uh, talked to him 48 hours ago. Yeah, he he, uh, he reached out yesterday um, and he had tested positive. So mm. hoping for Stek to get better. That was, that was the one lasting thing I got from Tri-States was COVID. So that was just, uh, that was delightful. So to finish on a positive note, my proposal for three-way miss is the next show we have is from Medalist. Oh, I like that. Except. I like that. Except what? Oh, I, oh, I, I got it. I accept. You're accepting. Got it. <laughs> except Matt. Or... <laughs> except I'll be nice. there. Except I'll be there. So hey, TK I'll... and I will be a medalist and the, everyone except Matt will be there. I'll edit out the stupid hitting into the group story if I can still come, Tyler. <laughs> Jesus. Tough audience. I think in January that's got to happen, boys. Yeah, I, I accept. I accept. All right. Well, we'll work on the calendar. Well, my my plans this winter certainly involve the uh, the the merchandise show and getting back there. What is that? Typically the third week of January. Yeah, and, something like that. Okay. Um, and you know, putting my tail between my legs and inviting myself down to West Palm for a couple of days. Maybe three way miss should have a, a a golf merch show visit and try to pump a little merch or something. There we go. Whatever. All right. Anyway, boys, good fun, great, boys. Great visit. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Um, and and we'll have some new content between now and January. We'll we'll do our holiday show again and and get a couple drinks going while we feel festive. Love it. Beautiful. Stay All thirsty. Right, boys. Be good. Cheers. We'll talk to you. Talk to you.